HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, August 6th, and this is the 30th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, I'm going to be chatting with the marketing director and partner of an outstanding restaurant group, who is also the restaurant committee chairman of NYC & Co. But before I introduce him, I will start with my PR tip. And then later, we will have my speed round questions, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip off the show with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to be supportive of your community. And for a large part, I'm speaking to restaurateurs. Whether this means being active on a community board, participating in local events, or dining at your neighbor's restaurant, Engaging with and showing up for your peers will not only make you feel good, but it will bring positive energy to your hood. So love thy neighbor, as they say. That's my tip today. Now, I'm really excited and honored to have my guest here. It is Tracy Nieporant, the director of marketing and partner of the Myriad Restaurant Group, where he oversees the public relations, communications, promotion, advertising, and charitable events. In addition, Tracy is the Restaurant Committee Chairman of NYC & Co., which conceptualizes and operates NYC Restaurant Week. Tracy also plays a prominent role in hundreds of charitable events and is very supportive of his Tribeca community. Welcome. It's great to be here, Sherry. We're here in Brooklyn. We're in Brooklyn. I got you out to Bushwick. Bushwick, New York. <laughs> I, I'm. I'm thrilled for you to be here and also thrilled to have lunch with you today at Nobu, which was fabulous, one of your places. That was a lot of fun. It yeah, really was. it was delicious. So thank you. Now, 
wanted to see how did you how did you get involved with the Myriad Restaurant Group, and I believe you have a background in advertising. Yes, I do. Uh, well, for many years, I worked in advertising um, at uh, places like NWA. Or I worked in the creation of the Be All You Could Be campaign for the Army, and reach out and touch someone for AT and T. Huge and campaigns. Uh, they were great yeah. campaigns. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked the creativity of it. Uh, I was less enamored of the pressure of it, which was really extreme working in advertising. I know a lot of people see Mad Men on TV and they feel that that's their perception of what advertising is. And there's some truth to it. Uh, it covers a period before I worked in advertising, but not that much before. But uh, my brother Drew, who obviously is a very well regarded in the steam restaurateur, had opened uh, Montrachet in 1985 and he had aspirations to do a lot more in the future and he went on to do that something like 35 restaurants in 30 years wow there was going to be a need to attend to promotion and advertising and those kind of things and uh i saw a great opportunity there to transition and to do something uh to help promote the restaurants um and it's turned out to me to be one of the you know the, the best things that ever happened because obviously, the thing that's interesting is in advertising, you meet your clients, and lawyers meet lawyers, and doctors meet doctors. But in the restaurant business, you meet everybody because everybody eats. So whether yes. it's presidents or athletes or writers <laughs> or whoever, through the years, we've got to meet so many people. The and presidents if, all go to your restaurant, well, of course. Well, some of them do. And, really? and, and, that's and, awesome. And it's a tremendous compliment. and. You know, sometimes when I walk around at night and I look in the windows of the restaurants and I see that they're busy and people are having a good time, um, I have a great sense of satisfaction because, it, you know, people could go anywhere. They can eat in a lot of places. But when they choose your place, that's a sacred trust and you really have to do the best work you can for them. And uh, it's just, it's very rewarding and, and we want people to come and have a nurturing, memorable experience. We want them to have a two-hour vacation away from, away from the cares of the world. And to be able to provide that in so many places with so many different types of cuisines, it's been, been quite a ride. Yes, it has been. And what, for people who don't know what the Myriad Restaurant Group, what, what restaurants encompass your company now? Well, right now, um, our oldest restaurant is actually Tribeca Grill. We're in our, our 24th year there. Um, Nobu, uh, Nobu, New York, is now in its 20th year. We also have Nobu, uh, next door Nobu, Nobu next door, and also uh, Nobu 57. We have uh, the newly opened Batard, which is uh, on West Broadway in the esteemed space that once housed Montrachet for 22 years and Cortone for six years. And now uh, Marcus Glocker, an incredible young dynamic chef, and John Winterman and my brother Drew have teamed up together and created this new restaurant, Petard, which is kind of modern European cuisine. And we're very proud of it and we're very excited about it. It's uh, excellent because I dined there recently and I loved it. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that. Yeah, uh, no, I really did. It's, I think it's very accessible to people. Um, Marcus has got a great culinary vision. The food is not pretentious, but it's hearty. And it's got a menu that I think is very accessible to most people with two courses for $55 and three courses for 65 and four for 75 And you can mix and match whatever you want. Some people want four appetizers. Some people want four entrees. You could have four desserts. I think most people do 
to uh, appetizers and entree and dessert. Mm -hmm. But I think it gives the guest power to really design their own meal. And whatever they eat, it's going to be very satisfying. And it's great to see, you know, when a restaurant's busy and has energy in the room, that's a wonderful thing. So we have Batard, and then we have a, uh, a wine and spirits store uptown called Crush, which does very well, carries really interesting wines, uh, not necessarily things that you would find in every store, which I think gives it a unique vision and perspective, so you can find things that are really unusual there. And then you know, we have certain consulting assignments. We do uh, the um, Cellar Club out at City Field, where the New York Mets play. It's a wonderful restaurant uh, out in left field. And uh, I happen to be a passionate Mets fan. Uh, the Mets affect every bit of my metabolism. All and right, so, go Mets. <laughs> the Mets need your help. Uh, the, the Mets are on the ascent. This is the last year we're going to have close to a losing record. From now on, it's you know full speed ahead. But the restaurant is a great place to have a pregame meal. Some people like to stay during the meal. There are great big windows that look out to the field. And it's, it's been a, a wonderful experience being out there. Yeah, well, that's a really, it's a diverse list you have now. And, and it's so impressive that Nobu and Tribeca Grill have been in Tribeca for 20-plus years. And, yeah. I mean, you, you were truly a pioneer in that neighborhood, which has tra- changed tremendously, and through 9-11 and everything. The, the, the whole neighborhood, I mean, we got started there in 1985. Uh, it was really off the beaten path in those days. Um, Nobody knew that it would become a focal point on the path. But to be honest, I think for Drew, when he started Montrachet, the rent was affordable. That was the key thing. And, and uh, you had to be able, we didn't have any big endowment. You didn't want to you know, start with an, an enormous uh, burden, financial burden to overcome. And so uh, we're kind of on this nondescript street on West Broadway that every cab driver gets lost driving to. But over a period of two, three months, people started to flock there, and then a three-star review in the New York Times, and it was Storm the Bastille. At that point, it became uh, an incredible success. Uh, David Boulay was the original chef, and we had a $16 three-course prefix at the time, which uh, even in those days was a tremendous value. So that kind of got the ball rolling. And then several years later, uh, Robert De Niro was a regular guest at Montrachet, and um, he spoke to my brother one day about possibly doing a project together, and that turned out to be the Tribeca Grill, which was part of the Tribeca Film Center, which was the old abandoned uh, Martinson Coffee Factory on Greenwich Street, Um, and a lot of credit has to go to Robert De Niro for having a vision, really, for the neighborhood and seeing that there could be possibilities there. And uh, the Tribeca Grill had all of these well-known people as investors. There was Bill Murray and uh, Chris, uh, Sean Penn and Chris Walken and Ed Harris <laughs> and a whole It was like a movie people. set. Yeah, the, 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 uh, <laughs> the Weinstein brothers. It was incredible. But I think the, the big story there for Tribeca Grill is that once you get past the celebrity aspect, you have to function as a good, quality, successful restaurant that has a culinary point of view and also a service point of view. And we also developed a wine list there that is top-notch. It wins the Grand Award every year from the Wine Spectator, which is something that you have to earn. It's not something that's just handed to you. And I think uh, one journalist in writing about the restaurant described it as a neighborhood restaurant 
for the whole world. And that's oh, like a description that. we like. Because yeah. the one trademark, I think, that has been key to our restaurants and, and really the vision that Drew had was that he wanted everything to be accessible. He wanted there to be very little pretension. He wanted good food service. Uh, he wanted to have a sense of entertainment and community and that everybody would have a good time together, but not with a lot of stuffiness. And I think for the most part, we've been able to adhere to that, even to this day. And uh, the informality, sometimes maybe the pendulum has swung too far in one direction or the other, but we always say as long as your, your feet and your privates are covered, it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll be ready to serve you. Right. Well, that's great. Now, what's your role with with the Marriott Restaurant Group, and 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 what's it like uh, working with your brother? I mean, do you you know you, well, you you've been doing it a long time? <laughs> we, we we grew up sharing a room. I always joke with people. I never had my own room, and I grew up. Uh, we shared a room at Peter Cooper Village, and then you go to college, and you have a roommate, and you get married, and you have a roommate, and you, so I've never had my own room, you know. But um, I think that yeah, he's the boss. And I, I try to do what I can to help supplement the work that he does. Uh, in, in my job, we're obviously trying to get the word out about the restaurants. How you do that has changed a lot through the years. When we got started, there was really no social media. The Internet really didn't exist at that time. And so if you got a three-star review in the New York Times and a few other ones like that, that really anointed you. Now it has to be a combination of so many other things that are important. No one thing in and of itself can propel you. It's the overall patchwork quilt of everything. So you know, my job is to really uh, do my best to get the word out. And also, uh, we do a tremendous amount of charity work. So we you work do. with a lot of we work with a lot of charities. We do events. We donate gift certificates. We're, we 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 do a lot considering our size, which people think we're enormous. You know, we're big, but we're not that big. We do a lot more, I think, than what would be expected from a business of our size. And, uh, you know, no two days are, are identical. They're like snowflakes. Every day has its own set of challenges, and uh, we get to talk to a lot of people. I mean, I, I, this Monday I was involved with an organization, the Big Apple Greeter. Uh, they are responsible for... Uh, when people come to New York, say, for the first time, and they don't know anything about the city, they try to get somebody within the city who really knows a neighborhood or some aspect of the city to really introduce the people and create a good impression for them. And there was a couple from Germany that had never been here, and apparently, but their perceptions of New York were very negative. And so we had lunch together, and then I walked them around the Tribeca neighborhood, and I showed off different sites, like where the Ghostbusters headquarters was, which is now a firehouse. And, uh, I want oh, this tour. <laughs> uh, no, we can do Actually, that. Actually, <laughs> I, I think Jacques Capsudo, who I worked with at, at um, Capsudo Frere, he gave me a little tour once, but I don't think he, he pointed out Ghostbusters. Well, there's, there's that, <laughs> and you know, where, where, where John Kennedy Jr. lived and all that. And we, we had a really nice time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I got back a wonderful note uh, from the people at Big Apple Greeter about what a wonderful time they had and how we had changed the perception of New York in such a positive fashion. So, you know, I find that very satisfying. I, I think that when you look at what you do every day, you're trying to extend hospitality to people, and you do it in different ways. And uh, so, I mean, that's a I enjoy interacting with people, and in uh, as much as we have a lot of different dining uh, options that we can give people, um, each one needs its attention. 
And so uh, that's how you really have to apply yourself. And I, we, we have you know, good support, good people that we work with who, uh, who work with us and are very helpful and because you can't do everything by yourself. And so through the years, I mean, we've we put together very good teams. And I think everybody works together, uh, you know, with a single-minded purpose to really provide the best experience we can for our guests. Yes, and I think you, you definitely do that. So we're going to take a little break here. Did you have another No, comment? I'm just I'm going to say uh, it's beautiful here in Brooklyn, really. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy the, enjoy the Brooklyn moment. We're going to take a break. Stay all with right. us. This is All in the Industry right. on Heritage Radio Network. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Tracy Neeport of the Marriott Restaurant Group and NYC Restaurant Week, which is happening now. Restaurant Weeks, Restaurant Month. I don't, I don't know if it needs a name change, but... Restaurant you, Millennium. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's happening now, and it's been such a, a, a successful program for men, a long time. And so how did, it, how, how did you get involved? How did... Restaurant Week start and you know it's a, it's a, it's really a great story and it's really based on satisfying what the public wants. In 1992, New York was kind of in the doldrums, um, and the Democratic convention was coming to town at Madison Square Garden. It's the convention that nominated Bill Clinton for president. They were looking for something that would create interest for the delegates and also for diners throughout New York. And uh, it was Tim Zagat and uh, Joe Baum, the late Joe Baum, and Alan Stillman, who were three venerable people in the culinary world, came up with this idea of a three-course lunch at great New York restaurants, uh, three courses for $19.92, because it was 1992. Uh -huh. And lo and behold, I think there were about 30 restaurants maybe at the time that participated, uh, including uh, Tribeca Grill, which was in there. And uh, it did very well. And so uh, because it fulfilled the need also for restaurants that sometimes slow down a little bit during certain periods of the summer. And so we did it again in 1993, 1994. And each year it would go up a penny. And each year a few more restaurants would, would join. And I know at some point uh, 
it was pretty early in my career in the restaurant business. I remember that first meeting up at the Rainbow Room where they were talking about it, and I was just trying to absorb myself into what was going on and learn from all the culinary personalities were there. You skip ahead, you know, about a decade, and I was working on the committee that kept organizing this every year. Danny Meyer was the, uh, the chairman at that point. And Christine Nicholas was the head of NYC Company. One day they called me and they said, we'd really like you to take over as the chair. And uh, I kind of thought, well, you're rearranging the furniture because I used to be the hassock, so now I'm the chair. <laughs> <laughs> but bump. Thank you very much. Uh, anyway, uh, I, have, I took on that role. And, and through the years, I feel a great sense of satisfaction that we've really built the program into something that really reaches – all parts of New York, and all we we, we now have uh, 318 restaurants participating this summer. Wow! We're in, from 30. Yeah, we're in 22 different neighborhoods. We have 22 different cuisines. We really are providing a great dining experience through this community of restaurants that we have in New York to many many people. And at uh, $25 for a three course lunch and $38 for a three-course dinner, it's actually a better value today when you factor in all the cost of living uh, estimates, etc., than it was back in 1992. So it's, it's a great value for people. I think it allows a lot of people to get their foot in the door at restaurants that they may have wanted to try but were intimidated by or thought it was too expensive, whatever the reasons. It gives them a chance to dine with us, and I think the restaurants are happy because our business usually doubles, sometimes triples, depending on the restaurant, during that period. And the reason why it's now four weeks is because basically we can be busy for four weeks. A lot of people uh, plan their vacations to New York around restaurant week, but if it's just a one-week program, that may not be a week they can travel, so then they would miss out. So having a four-week program, which really this year covers two weeks in July and two weeks in August, gives a nice balance and symmetry with the summer. And... uh, I think it, it provides a, a chance yeah. for us to impress a lot of people. And you also do you do two a year now because you do the winter and the summer. Yes. Well, one of the things we did, uh, I remember we had a lot of debate within the committee, and we have a lot of venerable restaurateurs uh, who work on the committee with us, uh, like Tim Zagad and Penny Glazier and Rita Jamey, and uh, it's a whole host of people mm-hmm. that are really wonderful. Credible uh, people. Yes. <laughs> um, and... and so I, I always felt that we should do it in the winter also because the menus are very different in the winter. You know, you're not having gazpacho. You might have a hearty onion soup. Um, there, there are a lot of things you can do in the winter, and we do slow down in periods mm-hmm. of, of the winter also. And so, but then there was a concern, well, maybe we're going to cannibalize ourselves, you know, because you can't have Christmas twice a year. But then I would argue that, you know, Macy's has more than one sale a year. So... We did they implement. have a sale every weekend. It seems like that. Well, Joseph A. Bank has one every day, so you know, you know, you can get three suits, you know, when you buy one or whatever. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of deals out yeah. there. But uh, anyway, for for uh, Restaurant Week, we did implement it for uh, the winter, and it's worked out very well. So it's twice a year. Um, I think winter this past year we did three weeks. So it was seven weeks of restaurant week between winter and summer for the year 2014. And, you know, every year we go back and we reassess what we're doing. So I can't tell you that next summer it's definitely going to be four weeks. We'll have to look at the numbers, and we'll we'll look at a lot of research that was done, um, and we'll figure out uh, what it should be. And that's true for the summer as well, or for the winter as well. But I, I'll tell you that 
people like Restaurant Week, and they we get a lot of feedback that people really enjoy it, and especially a lot of the younger people because they may be starting out in their careers and they don't have the big pocketbook right now, but they do have the aspiration to eat at a lot of good places, and they're going to be making more money down the road. And so if we can at least provide that experience, they'll come back and maybe they'll pay a, a larger check down the road, which would be fine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's it's a great incentive to get people to restaurants they normally wouldn't go to and they can't afford regularly. And um, that brings me to my question from last week. I had on Tara Berman of Tara Page Group. And uh, so she wanted to know, from the restaurants that participate in Restaurant Week, is there any sort of metrics or tracking that you do so you know if a customer becomes a return customer? Um, and also, do you know if regulars participate, or is it really for non-regulars, Restaurant Week? Because that's my, my guess. Well, keep in mind, there's 318 different restaurants. So you might get 318 variations of, of an answer to that. The only thing I can tell you is this, that um, we follow it at our restaurants, and we see that our business even at places like Nobu, and you were at Nobu today, yes. you saw how busy we were. It was very busy. Our, our business will, will, will double at lunch and pretty much at dinner also during restaurant week. And our business is pretty steady when it's not restaurant week. At a place like Tribeca Grill, you know, we're, we're a busy place. I would say that a typical lunch might be 80 to 100 people, and we were doing about 175 to 200 today. So it definitely helps. As far as returning customers, yes, we do see that. Uh, a lot of times you can measure a lot of these things now on open table. You can see how many times people are coming back and everything. I think that, that um, the bottom line of all this is that we have more restaurants wanting to participate than we can accommodate right now. And very few restaurants that participate ever drop out. Uh, some drop out if they close, which happens unfortunately well, sometimes. Well, uh, I would think yeah. they would then drop out. They would have yeah. to drop out oh, then. Yeah. That would, that would uh, be a reason. But, but other than that... Um, there's a lot of enthusiasm. Now, you know, there are some skeptics in the business. And keep in mind, nobody's forced to be in the business and, and in, and in the, uh, the program. Nobody is shanghaied into being part of Restaurant yeah. Week unless they want to be. And I think that the bottom line for us is that we want to provide a really good experience for the people. We don't want to dumb it down. We don't want to put things on the menu that are secondary and substandard. We have to make sure that we give people something that's representative of what we are all about. Because that's the only way to build a relationship, and that's what you want to do. And it's to me, it's not just about the price. It's also about getting people in the, in the door to have the experience. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, that's what this is. This is a community of people coming together and sharing time together. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, you're, whether you're eating with your friends or your colleagues or your family or whoever, spending some time at the dining table is one of the best memories you can have in your life. And we provide the context for that. So I, I, when I think about Restaurant Week, the picture I have in my mind is like of celebration, of people, of New Yorkers being together, all these different ethnic cuisines, all of this um, sense of uh, enjoyment and community. That's the way I like to look at it. It's hard to communicate that sometimes in the materials and in the advertising and all that, but I think that that's the way I would like people to think about Restaurant Week. It's a celebration of dining. When you think about it in New York, we don't have a lot of industry here. We don't manufacture things in New York. The biggest thing that we have to offer is hospitality. 
whether it's in the restaurants or in the hotels or in theaters, we provide entertainment and hospitality. That's our stock and trade. That's why people want to come here. That's why people live here on top of each other at very high expense because of hospitality. And the restaurants are front and center in that experience. So I want Restaurant Week, instead of it being one of these things where some people might look at it and say, oh, here it is again, I want it to be like, hey, it's Restaurant Week. Yeah. It's a time for us to all get out and dine and have this collective experience together. Yeah, I I think that's great. And I, I, the success of it, you can see because it's spun off in so many other cities. I mean, I know Miami has Miami Spice. And, Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's the same the same idea. And... Um, Every, every a lot of cities have now doing what we started, and uh, but listen, New York and we've had restaurants in our group in other cities, whether it's San Francisco or uh, Telluride, Colorado. I mean, we've been in a lot of places through the years, but New York is really front and center. We have the greatest number of great restaurants here, certainly the greatest number of ethnic cuisines, and we're also fortunate that we have an infrastructure with an organization like NYC and Company, which is the basically the marketing arm of New York City, to help us pull it together. Because we're operating restaurants individually, it would be very difficult for us to all pull it together. But to have an infrastructure like that that can get the word out, that can create a lot of the materials and do the social media and, and do the advertising and so on and yeah. so forth. It's And then we try to oversee it with uh, an eye to providing good communication and the best dining experience people can have. And so I've, I have a great deal of satisfaction about it that we've created something that's meaningful to people. Yeah, and they do do a great job promoting it. So, And you do a great job. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take another break here. We're going to come back and do my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Tracy Newport, and it is time for my speed round game. Are you ready, Tracy? I'm ready. I'm ready. Born ready. Born ready, right? <laughs> Start your engines. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to name two things, and you just pick your preference. Okay. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Uh, eat out. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. 
Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Communal table or chef's counter? Oh, gee, I don't know. Oh, you were going okay. so quick. I, I couldn't believe I, how quick right, you were going. Right. Communal table. <laughs> no, you're, you're, doing, you're doing fabulous. Okay. How about uh, Yankees or Mets? That's oh, a given. Definitely Mets. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I root for both. You know, if there's time, I'll do a medley of uh, New York Mets, Meet the Mets song, okay? Okay. <laughs> Thank Try you. and save time. Thank you. Okay, a few more. Be all that you can be or reach out and touch someone. Oh, be all you can be, but they're both great. They are both great. Yeah. Impressive. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Sorry, Brooklyn, but I got to say Manhattan. We got you out to Brooklyn. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten <laughs> Island, too. <laughs> and don't forget New Jersey. <laughs> yes, yes, I should have put Jersey in there. Awesome, that's the game. It's great. And I got to give a shout-out to, to Tribeca also. Yes. Tribeca, New York, okay? Lower Manhattan. You got to love it. Yeah, I love Tribeca. Eat downtown. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so let's talk some industry news. Now, you touched on this a little before, uh, this article. Crane's New York Business had an article by Lisa Fickenshire called Dining with the Stars. And it was basically about looking at whether having a celebrity investor in your restaurant, if it makes a difference. And your brother, Drew, is quoted in this article saying, as, as you were saying before, that he didn't, it really doesn't make a difference. You still have to play by the rules, and it's still the same amount of work and um, yeah it was a good article because there's, there's a few new places there's it was talking about this custom fuel pizza that's backed by New York Knicks John Starks and Anthony Mason and uh, Chris Como CNN Newsaker and uh, but basically yeah I thought it was interesting because it's saying I think the celebrity brings the buzz certainly uh, especially at the beginning but for longevity you still gotta well, do your job that's exactly right. I think it creates interest. And it's important at the very beginning to create interest and break through the clutter uh, because there's so many things going on at one time um, that it, that's hard sometimes to get people's attention. But ultimately, you have a very small window to create that interest. And then you have to function as a professional restaurant, as an entity that people are going to want to go back to again and again. That's the, way, the only way you can measure success. Otherwise, it's a very short-term benefit. So I, I think it's good to have the, certainly the association that Tribeca Grill has had all these years with Robert De Niro and all of these stars has been terrific. I think ultimately you have to be very professional in the way you run the restaurant, and you have to have other assets that attract people. You think about it, how many celebrity restaurants have really made it? Very few. There's a lot of people who have... Uh, Attach their names to it, but whether it's Britney Spears yeah, or they, that was those, in the article, you know, Planet Hollywood, all these things that came and went, it just doesn't it doesn't have lasting power. So ultimately, it's the experience that you give people that's the most meaningful thing. Yeah, very true. Okay, another article I had was in BBC News Business called "Tables for One: The Rise of Solo Dining" by Barbara Balfour which I was thrilled to see because I do my solo dining bit on this show. And uh, this article is talking about how there's... It was saying there's so many more Americans or people that live by themselves and now go out to restaurants by themselves. And I think the stigma 
of dining alone that you're a loser <laughs> um, or, or what's wrong with you um, is going away. And, uh, and also there was a chef in the article that said it's, it's the greatest compliment for a solo diner to come to your restaurant because they're, they're making the decision on their own. There's not, they're not meeting someone. It's, they're there because they want to be there, which is true. Well, I think that's a good point. Uh, and I think that when you're in the hospitality business, whether somebody comes by themselves or with somebody else, you should extend and welcome them with hospitality and, and look at it as an opportunity to make friends. It's funny, uh, sometimes when you look out at the restaurant at night and if you're crowded, you realize that you have hundreds if not thousands of opportunities to make friends and you also have hundreds if not thousands of opportunities to screw it up. So you better do it the right way and make friends because that's how you have continuity and that's how you have longevity in this business. So I would say that uh, however people arrive in your restaurant, you should provide a good welcome. And uh, we all dine solo sometimes. So Some more than others. I'm, I'm one. I dine out a lot by myself. Well, that's, that, that's all good. Yeah. That's all good. And uh, we look forward to your visits. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have actually, I did go once to Nobu 57 by myself. So there. It was great. Hey. That's okay, you know. It is okay. You know, they, well, uh, sushi, I think sushi restaurants are very easy to do by yourself because you're at the counter and it's, it's, it's an interactive experience. And you know what? Order for two and then you don't have to share with anybody either. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next time. All right, the last article I had to, to talk about is, was in the New York Times. It's called Chefs Move Beyond New York. It's by Rebecca Flint Marks. It's talking about how a lot of New York City chefs are opening restaurants in other cities, such as Gavin Kaysen, who is at Cafe Baloo, is moving back to or has moved back to Minneapolis and is opening his own place. Um, Peter Serpico from Momofuku opened a place in Philadelphia. And the article was citing how there's more of an interest now. There's more savvy audience outside of New York, and it's not all, you know, to you have to make it here to, to make it. So, yes. Well, I think that you know, I mentioned that we had opened, you know, 35 restaurants in 30 years. We were in San Francisco. We were in Seattle. We were in East Hampton. Uh, we've been in so many different places through the years. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, were you? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Proof on Maine in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> the uh, right down the street from the, the Muhammad Ali Museum and the Louisville Slugger Factory. So, these are all incredible experiences and memories that you have. And there is good food all over the country. There's no doubt about it. And um, and there's interesting food regionally also. But I think that. Whenever we leave New York, we always kind of get a lump in our throat, and we always get a great sense of happiness when we come back, because this is still the mothership. This mm-hmm. is still the place where so many possibilities can happen. So I'm not going to disparage any other place, because when you travel, you can have amazing experiences. And all the people you mentioned, they're all accomplished people that should do very well in the places they go to. And hopefully they'll find the same level of success and appreciation from the public that they had here. But this is a place where if you really want to be the best and you want to be tested by the burning fires of hell, this is the place to do it. New York, Mm -hmm. uh, people have a tremendous interest in dining here. 
they want to have new experiences. They want to in, indulge in uh, tremendous uh, dining ideas, and uh, they want to expand the idea of what dining can be. And I think if you can make it here, as the song says, you can make it anywhere. So this yes. is where we uh, we plant our flag. Yes, I, 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 I agree with that. I think it's interesting. Or I think it's cool, though, that, that the culinary world has changed so much and that chefs are moving back to their hometowns and feeling they do have the audience there. So, I mean, I, I, Gavin, Gavin's a great guy, and I think he's, he's moving back to his family. And hey, so, home but, is where the heart yeah, is. You know, yeah, why so, not? But yeah. home, home in New York City works for me. That's right. <laughs> okay, we're going to take one more break here, and we're going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience, so stay with us. This is All in the Industry on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Okay, well, last night I went solo to a special late-night dinner at Momofuku Sambar in the East Village that was featuring Paul Kahn's The Publican from Chicago. This was part of Momofuku's late-night series. They previously had Zahav from Philadelphia. Did not make it to that one. But this one, this, this, these, uh, these dinners sell out really quickly. And I was able to get a seat at the 11 p.m. time slot. It was also a 1 a.m. time slot. So I was on the early late seating, but it was still pretty late to be having dinner. But it was awesome. I'm, I, I'd wa- I've wanted to go to the Publican in Chicago for a while. It's on my list of places. And uh, so the fact that they came here, the, the chefs take over the kitchen and do their own menu and it's it's a really it's, it was a really cool experience. Uh, they set up a communal table going the length of the restaurant at Momofuku Sambar, and it had about forty people. And I was sitting with they sat me with all these other single industry folks, including Kate Crater, Jordan Salcito, Brad Thomas Parsons, and Julia Kramer. So it was really nice to be with industry people and enjoy this family style meal. And it started with charcuterie, which was probably my favorite thing of the night. They also had heirloom tomatoes, Spanish mackerel, summer squash, grilled squid, barbecue, carrots, ham chop in hay, and braised cherries. And it was one set price. I think it was it was one twenty. And it also had beer pairings. And I wasn't drinking, so they were very kind. They brought me a non-alcoholic cider, which was very paired nicely with everything. So I enjoyed that. And the chef there is Cosmo Goss, and he sourced things from our green market, and he also brought some things from Chicago. 
So it was really cool. So if I, I don't know, if I seem a little tired today, that might be why. But um, I'm glad I went. And uh, if they do another one, I would certainly go again. If you want to check out these restaurants, it's thepublicanrestaurant.com and momofuku.com are their websites. So we're almost to the end of the show. <laughs> that sounded like a lot of fun. It was I fun. I think it's because it's communal style. How did you still have the appetite for all that food at Nobu today? I'm well, that's why I, that's why I yeah. ran out of steam at the end. Now you can forgive me. <laughs> I, 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 I want your metabolism, okay? That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I'm going to have a light, light lunch tomorrow. Okay. Okay. So it's time for the final question. I wanted to see, Tracy, if you can ask a question for my guest next week. I'm having on... Liza de Gia, she is a food curated, which is, it's a video series, and she's the founder and chief storyteller behind the food movement. And she's also, her video series is a partner with the New York Times, and she's a TV host. So I want to see if you can ask her a question. Well, I know that she's created some incredible videos about some really interesting people, and she has a really good style of doing it. So my question would be, other than the luminaries that you have already covered, uh, who would you, if you had your druthers, who would you love to be able to do a story with? Good question. I will ask her. Yeah, she's great, and her videos are amazing, so I'm looking forward to talking to her. I'll be looking forward to listening. Oh, well, cool. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for coming out here today. Sherry, it's been a real joy, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, and all I can say is peace out, Brooklyn. Peace out, Brooklyn. Okay, my guest today has been Tracy Neeport. He's the Director of Marketing and Partner of the Marriott Restaurant Group and the Restaurant Committee Chairman of NYC & Co.'s NYC Restaurant Week. His website is com, and He's, uh, they're on Twitter at Myriad Rest Group. And you could also check out nycgo.com and at nycgo, which is the NYC Go and Company's website and Twitter. My website's Bayer Public Relations. My Twitter's at, Bay- at Bayer PR, at Sherry Bayer, and all, at All Industry. And as you know, you could always find us on Stitchers and iTunes and at heritageradionetwork.org if you miss a live broadcast. Thanks to my engineer, Jack. Thanks to my guest, Tracy. And everyone out there listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I hope you'll tune in again next week. I'll be back 4 o'clock Wednesday for another live show. Till then, have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.